So welcome into the Backroads Podcast. This is the week 13 edition, playoff edition number three. Bobby, we're getting ready for so much. So many close games went on in the area round or regional semifinal round, whatever anybody wants to call it. There were some great games. Five of them decided in the final moments of the ball game. We had some surprises, both games a little closer than we anticipated, some games a little more of a blowout than we anticipated. We have a volleyball champion. We got college signings. We got coaching interviews coming up with Coach Stacy Perriman out of Happy. You name it, we got it right here on the Backroads Podcast. So let's get started. I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Well, Bobby, you look at the area round, regional quarter or semifinal round, what anybody ever anybody wants to call it. it it's a tongue twister for me just to try and spit it out. But uh, it is amazing how close some of these games were. I think some games were a lot closer than we anticipated. Some teams uh, snuck up on teams. I don't know if they weren't quite ready for them, or maybe we didn't understand how good that team really was. We saw some blowouts that we didn't anticipate and then some games that uh, a lot closer maybe than we thought. But uh, let's get things started. And a team that is still left in Division One. And out of Region 1, and that is a guy I know really well. There's the head coach over at Happy, Stacy Perryman with the Happy Cowboys. Coach, welcome in this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Coach, let's just start. Uh, Cowboys victorious last week over Knox City, 50 to nothing. I think that was a wider spread than a lot of people anticipated. Just talk about the effort that uh, your players put together in uh, pulling off that victory. Yeah, no doubt. And all the credit to Knox City. You know, they have a, a tremendous program over there. They're good every year, uh, really competitive. Uh, we, we just happened to get on top of them early. You know, going into it, I thought it was going to be a one-possession game at the end, and it was just going to come down to who was going to make some plays throughout the game. Uh, but for us, you know, it, it was cold just like it was everywhere else. But for us, it's a mindset. You know, it's a little bit colder up in the north, so we're, we're ready for that. You know, we practice on it all week. Um, and then we started off strong, had a really good start, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, good things were happening for us, and you know, there was just some some negative plays and bad things that were happening for them. And then before you knew it, you know, you looked up and, you know, we're up, you know, 24 to nothing, and it just kind of rolled from there. Uh, but overall, I thought, you know, the, the difference was our effort early on and our intensity was, you know, through the roof. And, and that's what you got to have in playoff games like this if you want to move on. When you look at your team, you've now won 11 straight ball games after that uh, beating in the first week of the season to Westbrook. Talk about the maturation of your team from the beginning of the year to now where you're at. Yeah, no doubt. It was quite the humbling experience in week one because, you know, they were coming fresh off a of state championship, so they were still riding high. And, you know, we had had some good scrimmages going into that, um, but we, we weren't quite ready for what we were going to see week one with, with Westbrook. You know, they were playing at – at week five, six, or even seven caliber. And we were just trying to figure some things out. You know, we weren't completely healthy going into that one. And we're we're pretty much there now, uh, playing a lot better. But we use that one as fuel going forward because that was that one stung. Um, you know, it's, it's the first game, and it, there's not really a lot of meaning in it. But, you know, we thought we were at a better place in that at that moment, and we realized that we weren't. We realized that we had to go back to the drawing board and get better. You know, so from that point on, um, you know, we just went on a stretch where we just continually got better. You know, we had we had kids go down with injuries and we had other kids that stepped up in some roles that we might not have expected. But it gave us that opportunity to get better and, and lead us up to the point that we're at now, because once we got rolling, you know, we, we really kind of never looked back. We just continued to get better and, and learn from the mistakes that we were making. When you look at your team and you, and you talk about this. 
Cowboys now making their third straight state quarterfinal appearance. You've been at Happy now four years, been in the playoffs all four years. What is the difference? And I think a lot of people may not realize this. There's a lot of difference in every season and every team that you've got. Talk about those differences, how though, how you've got to change your coaching style to fit who you have. Yeah, that's the fun part of it. You know, that first year that I got there, they had missed the playoffs previously, and that's just unheard of and happy. You know, so we we found our way back in the playoff that year, and, and you know, not a lot of people thought we were going to be there, but we had some guys step up, and uh, and then you know, we ended up getting beaten the first round by by McLean, who had you know just a tremendous team. Uh, but then you know, the year after that, we ended up making it to the quarters. And, you know, for that team, we were more of a, a run-happy offense. And, you know, we just played, you know, solid defense. Uh, and then the year after that, you know, it was, you know, we kind of mixed it up a little bit. We had more of a passing attack. So we've kind of evolved in that sense. But for me personally, what I think is cool about it is these different leadership groups that we've had because every one of these groups have, have been led by the seniors. And then those juniors are learning as they go along. And then whenever they get their opportunity, they just they step right into that role. And that's what's cool about being able to get into these playoff runs is because you get to see what your leadership is going to do and what direction they're going to lead the other guys in. Uh, like the, the leaders that we have this year, you know, they, they've stepped right into the role and um, done a tremendous job keeping everything intact. And I think this is probably one of the most gelled groups that we've had. You know, it's fun going into practice every day. Um you know, as soon as we get there, we get to work. But it's fun being around these guys. The atmosphere is good. The energy is good. And uh, these guys have done a tremendous job in leading our group. How much does it help you as a coach? This group of seniors is the first group that you've had from freshman to senior. How much does it help you in, in putting together game plans and just understanding where your team is going? Yeah, th this senior group and the juniors as well um, – you know, just me having them all the way through, you know, they've experienced the JV reps and all those JV games. And, you know, I still look in their faces sometimes we're in, we're in the heat of the moment in a, in a big game. And I look at them and sometimes I just kind of laugh because I still see some of those JV kids out there playing. But it, it's cool because, you know, the terminology and, and all of that is it's just second nature to these guys. They're so daggum smart. They pick things up sometimes before I do whenever we see things on defense and they come and tell me. And, you know, we're able to adjust so much quicker than if you just you're coming in year one and trying to start off something like that. So to be able to just basically do what you need to do because, you know, these guys can take it on mentally. It makes a huge difference whenever you're game plan, especially whenever you're you're wanting to make a big run. These moments, these experiences that they've had, because, you know, the losses are sometimes just as important as the wins because they, they're able to tap back into those and and basically get, get us to that point that we need to be at. When you look at Friday night's game, you're taking on the Nazareth Swifts, longtime rivals of the Cowboys there. Not I was stepping away from the game, but just the entire atmosphere on a Thanksgiving weekend on a Friday night and Tulia, which is 15 miles for, for both towns. What do you expect to see, and how much fun is that going to be? I, I think Tyler's doing a tremendous job over there with those guys. They, he's got them. I mean, whenever you think about Nazareth, you think about a traditional basketball school. Uh, but for these guys to be in the third round, I, mean, I think that's really cool. Um, and as far as the style that they play in, it's a lot like ours. It's more of a smash mouth, play good defense, football. Um, so from that aspect of it, it's cool that we're going to get to meet 15 miles down the road. 
So for all of our people, you know, they have Tulia ties as well as NAS ties too. So I think that the the whole atmosphere is going to be great. The stadium is going to be packed. Everybody is going to be there in full force. Um, so I, it's going to be a really, really good atmosphere. And, you know, those guys coming out of our district, I, I think it's great that, that we both get to represent our district at this level. So this weekend I had several text messages from different folks um, and the, the message was always the same, happy with question marks after it. My response was, you know, they're peaking at the right time and Happy's basically a freight train and they're coming. So, so get ready for them. How do you get these kids ready to peak at the right time? Lots of coaches talk about that and some peak early, but it seems like Happy's on the right track to peak at the right time. Well, I, I think it's all about your approach and, and how you handle every week and and, and when you're able to start playing your best football in the playoffs, um, for, for us mentally, we, we just have to, to make sure we know who we are. You know, if everybody wants to say that, you know, I, we're, we're going to be one of the teams to beat, that's great, but you got to show up and do it. And for us, like we've been talking about, you know, staying humble, like we're not, we can't drink the Kool-Aid, you know, everybody else can drink it, but we don't, we, we can't do that. We don't, we don't have the, we have to stay focused on what we're doing. And whenever you stop focusing on the little things that, that get you to the point that you're at, that's when you get beat. So if we want to drink the Kool-Aid, we can do it, you know, after, after the state championship in Arlington. But until that point, like we're not going to drink any Kool-Aid. We're going to stay focused on what we're doing. And for this week, it's, it's Nazareth. And then if we can get by this one, then we'll focus on the next week. Coach, final question for you. You guys beat Nazareth earlier in the season in district 40 to six. Obviously, it's a, a rivalry game, but what is your message to your players as you get ready for this week and knowing that you've got that victory, but as you said, not wanting them to drink the Kool-Aid? Well, it, it's not the same football game at all, and that's what we talked about as soon as, as, soon as we got back to town uh, Friday night is it's a different ball game. It's You can't cash this one in for a win. That's just not the way this thing works. That They've gotten a lot better since the last time that we played them. You know, they're they're definitely moving in the right direction, just like, you know, people are saying what we are. And, you know, they're probably not on a lot of people's radar, but they're a good football team. And the, the style that they play, um, if you make mistakes and you turn the ball over, you can find yourself in a dogfight real quick. And then and then before you know it, you can end up on the wrong end of this thing. So like for us, our, our guys understand completely that it, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It's about what you're what you're going to do going forward. And just I mean, we just can't drink the Kool-Aid bottom line. And that's what that that's our message. That's what we're, we're, what we're preaching. And we just have to make sure that this game, it, it, it's all about showing up and playing this week. All right, Coach, we do appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Bobby Cowboys are 39-11 and 11 under Coach Stacey Perriman in four years, including three straight state quarterfinal round games. So, Coach, congratulations, doing a great job there and happy. And uh, I will talk to you. Yeah, I'll probably talk to you down the road here maybe sometime this week, and uh, we'll, we'll get ready for Nazareth. All right, sounds good. Good luck, Coach. Thank you. So, Bobby, great to uh, catch up with Coach Stacey Perriman there, the happy Cowboys. And I guess that's where we'll start in the uh, area round, it was Happy and Knox City doing battle over in his old stomping grounds in Montlake County. And the Cowboys come out victorious in this one, 50 to nothing. I think that score was a little surprising to a lot of folks in the state. Uh, Trice Johnson been out three weeks with an injury. He came back 13 carries, 158 yards, and three touchdowns. 
five tackles and a sack. So, needless to say, he was ready to get back on the field. Enjoy Blackman, eight carries, 67 yards, and two touchdowns. They held Knox City, and you you know as well as I do, that's an explosive offense. Held them to 54 total yards in that ballgame. So, Happy advances on to the area round, and guess who they will play? And we talked about it, the Nazareth Swifts. Swifts take out Spring Lake Earth, 62-28. to 28. Luke Schulte now over 600 yards rushing in the uh, first two playoff games. He had 268 in this one, six touchdowns and an interception. And he touched on it there, uh, Bobby, but I got to tell you, you look at this and, you know, I, I guess we could talk about what's going on in, in the state quarterfinals, but happy Nazareth, that's just going to have a totally different ring to it than any of these other games. Rankin Westbrook, going to be great games, what have you, but happy Naz just has a little bit extra to it than most of these games do. Well, that's because they're coming out of the same district and they're still both going headstrong into the playoffs and and now they're going to meet up and it's going to be like a wrecking ball. Well, it, it is, uh, what is it, the immovable force faces the immovable object or whatever that saying is, but uh, two ground and pound teams that love to get physical. So that will be your matchup in the state quarterfinals in Region 1. Let's move down to Region 2. Westbrook, no problem with Buena Vista. They are running on all cylinders. Coach Matlock's got them playing well. Grayson Jeffries, 69 yards rushing to score. Cedric Ware, yeah, you've heard of him, 54 yards rushing and a touchdown. Tristan Griffin for Buena Vista did have nine carries for 52 yards. But, man, the Wildcats are really starting to peak. And then on the other side, Rankin, the Red Devils, it was close in this one for a while, but they finally take out the Antelopes from Whiteface, 70-24. to 24. Barrett Jackson had 188 yards rushing on the ground in four touchdowns. Blake Wise, 132 yards passing, two touchdowns. The big man, David Bunger, uh, three receptions, 73 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, and he decided to throw in eight tackles as well. Four whiteface, Ethan Kaufman, 59 yards rushing, two scores. Jeremiah Rendon, eight of 16 through the air, 136 yards and two touchdowns. And Jeremiah Chavez caught four of those for 78 yards and a score. So, this is a matchup that I know everybody's been waiting on, Bobby, because we knew whoever won Westbrook Garden City would likely face Rankin on the other side, and now we are. Westbrook and Rankin, that should be a doozy. It's it's going to be a doozy. I think that's the understatement of the year. Uh, you know, this is the second time they've played. It's always hard to play the second time, as you well know, because Happy and Nazareth is going to do that as well. Westbrook beat them by one point the last time they played early in the season. So everybody's excited to see these two powerhouses go at it. It'll be a lot of fun. Let's move down to Region 3 here in Division 1. Abbott, the Panthers, no problem with Union Hill, 58-10. to 10. Uh, Mason Hale fig, uh, filling in for the choir boy. Riley Sustala had 31 carries, 253 yards and four touchdowns. Brady Schulz, uh, five carries, 34 yards and three touchdowns. And some kid named Joy Pavelka, yeah, he's awfully good on the defensive side. Seven and a half tackles and an interception. For Union Hill, Logan Dunn, six of 10 through the air, 60 yards and a uh, touchdown. Also threw an interception and had 21 yards rushing. Devin Espinosa, 60 yards uh, receiving and a touchdown. And Daniel Dunn, 12 tackles. But Abbott to victorious in that one. And then on the other side, we talked about close games, and this is the first of the five that we'll talk about. Gordon takes out Blum in the final minute, 52-48. to 48. Stryker Reed, 100 yards rushing, two scores, 79 yards receiving and two touchdowns, so that's almost 200 yards of total offense and four scores. Riley Reed, 91 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and Whit Fuller, 106 yards passing through the air and two touchdowns. For Blum, Lane Good, 
34 carries, 226 yards, and five touchdowns. I understand he was really impressive in that ballgame. And Lane Williams, 4-7 through the air and 87 yards. But this game, you know, we kind of thought it was going to be closer because we were hearing rumblings that Blum was getting healthy and that we knew Gordon was awful young. And that is exactly what we got, an absolute barn burner between the Longhorns and Bobcats. Yeah, this one came down to the last minute, like you said. And woo. I wish I could have been there. I love exciting games like that. And, you know, they gave everybody in the stands a heart attack. That they definitely did. So there's a look at Region 3. And now, you know, you got Abbott and Gordon uh, doing battle. And, you know, it'll be interesting. I wonder how much this uh, tight game here between Gordon Blum really helps out the Longhorns as they get ready for the Panthers. But you and I both know Abbott is a really strong powerhouse. They'll be, uh, I would imagine, heavy favorites in this ballgame. You know, it's. I'm going to go ahead and call it now. It's the spider monkeys versus the young guns. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Disney movie or something. Oh, no, it can't be a Disney movie. It's got to have, you know, you know, uh, good tackles and, you know, fight them up kind of stuff. You know, the spaghetti westerns, the pew, pew. <laughs> I like that. Pew, pew. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, let's go down to region four in division one and everything kicked off Thursday night. And it was a quick kickoff and a quick game. Erion County, no problem with Lakey, 52 to nothing. Uh, Trev- Trevin Kofel, 61 yards passing, two touchdowns, 75 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, 11 tackles, and stood by his dad and called for most of the game. Jordan Harrison, 81 yards rushing, two touchdowns, also had a fumble recovery, and Bo Morrow, uh, two carries, I'm oh, sorry, two receptions, 52 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. So, and Erion County continues to roll down there in Region 4. And across from them, another tight one. Jonesboro pulls off the upset bid by the Medina Bobcats, 62-56. to Caleb Christell, 136 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Jacob Cisneros had 99 yards rushing and two touchdowns. But, Bobby, I don't think anybody saw this game being anywhere near close. And yet Medina led a lot of the way in this one. And it took a Jonesboro rally to win this one in the final minute. It did. Uh, I know there's a little controversy sounding around this game, but, uh, you know, the Jonesboro Eagles were the ones who came out on top and um, give it to the Medina Bobcats. They fought hard and long and they just came up a tiny bit short, Uh, but they did a great job. So congratulations to the Medina Bobcats on an outstanding season. Definitely. So they're in region four. Now you got a big boy matchup, Erion County and Jonesboro doing battle. And uh, do you expect anything but a great ball game in this one? I don't, I don't because Jonesboro, maybe, you know, sometimes teams have that little dip where something happens and it kind of gets their attention. So you never know because you can never, you never get past Eddie Gallegos. He's going to have the Eagles ready. And Don Kofel is going to have the Hornets ready. They will. That should be a great matchup there. Let's head down to Division Two, and we'll start up in the Texas Panhandle, South Plains. I don't know. Region 1 is so big. I guess I can't just say Texas Panhandle and South Plains, Bobby. we got to include about half the state of Texas. And uh, speaking of that, Balmeray and Groom did battle. That one was in Hermley Friday night. And the Bears, too much for the Tigers. 60 to 14. Stop me if you've heard this broken record. Tomas Contreras, he only had 24 carries in this ballgame, so a light load for him. 194 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Landon Lopez said, I'll carry a little bit of the load for you, Tomas. He had 16 carries, 135 yards, and three touchdowns. 
Also had a receiving a touchdown in this one for 37 yards. They held Groom to 150 total yards. So the Bears move on to the uh, state quarterfinals where they will face the Whit Harrell Panthers, who had no problem with the Klondike Cougars, 64-20. to Shamadrick Weaver, 18 carries, 128 yards and a touchdown, uh, four or six through the air, 49 yards and two touchdowns as well. Victor uh, signs three carries, 114 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, Jaron Ellard, our helmet sticker winner, five of eight, 63 yards and two scores. For the Cougars, Creed Warren in his final game this year, 11 carries, 84 yards and a touchdown, 62 yards receiving and a touchdown. And Jared Quintanella, four of seven through the air, 44 yards uh, passing and a 28 yards rushing. So that sets up Balmeray and Whitherell and kind of a, a – Con, uh, contrast of styles when you look at what the Bears do and what the Panthers do. Oh, yeah, they're just total opposites. But one thing's for certain, the Balmeray Bears, their defense is going to be on point. We'll yeah. see how the Panthers handle that. It'll be tough. Uh, so let's move to Region 2, where, in my opinion, an upset occurred, and that is Throckmorton taking out Jayton 30-24. to 24. Uh, The Jaybirds ranked highly all season long, but they fall in this one. Jacob Gaspar for the Greyhounds, 26 carries, 241 yards and a touchdown, also had 48 yards passing and a touchdown. Hayden McAvoy, 9 carries, 66 yards, 2 touchdowns, and 15 tackles. And then hopefully I get this one right. Robert Jorgensen. 11 tackles in this ballgame, but it started a little text message between you and I because his name on huddle is Whitehawk Jorgensen, and apparently his full name is Robert Jesus Whitehawk Jorgensen. That is just, that's that's great. I mean, it's it's gold. It is the most unique name, and I, I've come up with a uh, a little contest, so to speak, for people with unique names, because I myself have one, as you texted yesterday. <laughs> um, uh, we'll go over that here in just a little bit, and I'll tell everybody what Craig said to me, and I tell you it, it was it was genius, and I don't know how he knew all those Bobby Brown songs, but he sure did type them all out. <laughs> so Throckmorton victorious in that one on the other side of the bracket. Uh, no surprise, the Benjamin Mustangs, no problem with the Newcastle Bobcats, 56 to nothing. So now you got Throckmorton, the upstart in Region 2, taking on Benjamin there in the state quarters. You know, they're just down the road from each other, really, if you think about it. No, they are. So that should set up a great matchup there. Region of 3 and another close one, Oakwood pulls it out in the end over Oglesby, 38 to 32 and uh, one of our notes that we'll get to later uh, is led by this human being and that is zach nickerson 25 carries 277 yards and six touchdowns and i'll kind of set it up for where we're going to go a little bit later but he's got 68 rushing touchdowns on the season where does that rank all time we're going to let you know later on in the podcast so you want to stick around for that one uh, also bluffdale over morgan oh, i'm disappointed bobby no more Rico Suave in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, we should have played the song just to end it. Maybe we'll end <laughs> the podcast with old Rico Suave. But, yeah, that was a really good game up until about the third quarter. And then Bluffdale basically just put it away. So the Bobcats looking really good. So now Bluff, Bluffdale and Oakwood doing battle. I think that should be a really good ball game. I do, too. I, I think that that it's going to be a great ball game. Uh, they're going to meet in, let's see, Ferris, I believe. Is that right, Ferris? Yes. 
and uh, we're going, we have wrote for permission to broadcast that. So we're excited about that game. No doubt there. So Bluffdale and Oakwood doing battle in the state quarterfinals there in Region 3. And then finally, in Region 4, we'll start with the blowout, although I don't know that anybody expected a blowout in this one. Uh, Lorraine, the Bulldogs, A.J. Williams, no problem with Richland Springs, 52 to nothing. They held Richland Springs, Bobby, to 52 total yards. That's got to be a long time since we've seen that happen to the Cows. A.J. Williams in this one. 169 yards on six carries, four touchdowns, 101 yards passing, and two more touchdowns. And uh, Davion Walthall uh, gave A.J. a break, uh, let him go over to the sideline, get a drink of water every so often. Six carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown. So Lorraine, impressive in that ball game, And they will take on the Cherokee Indians, who I think had more than they bargained for from the Blackwell Hornets. And uh, Cherokee wins it 36-30. to Joel Valdez, 13-19, 208 uh, passing and a touchdown, 62 yards on the ground and two scores. Gunnar Baugh, great football name, 15 carries, 144 yards and two scores. Joey Bond in this one, six receptions, 94 yards and a touchdown, 15 tackles. And Case Bordner, 11 tackles for the Indians. But, man, this game came down to the very end, and I was watching this score, Bobby, and it just it surprised me. And, and, you know, I don't know if Cherokee was looking past Blackwell or not, but, man, give Blackwell credit for hanging in this ballgame because they were definitely prohibitive underdogs going into this one. They were, and uh, I'm just going to put this out there, but, you know, Lehman warned me. Lehman really thought that Blackwell had a chance to beat Cherokee, and you know what? Lehman was right. <laughs> but well, this one... I want to tell him in, in public that he was right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it because, you know, we argued over some records last night. So, Lehman, you were right. I'm going to go ahead and give you that one. But this this game really surprised me. I, I did not expect that at all. And we all know going into the, the later playoff games that someone's going to jump up and shock us, but we just don't know who it is. Well, I'm here to tell you the Blackwell Hornets did just that. No, they, they definitely did that. And, you know, when you look at it across the state, some teams jumped up that I don't think anybody expected to be there at the end. Uh, Blum, Medina, Blackwell. And you talk about it, um, you know, those are teams that maybe don't get talked about quite as much, have really good records, maybe not great records. They're rank, not ranked in the top 10. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a second round playoff game going, wait, who are these guys and where did they come from? And that's exactly what we saw this week. So uh, congratulations to all of the winners uh, this week. Yes. And so that takes us into some football notes because just this, you know, that's a good lead in because we've got some teams that are making history for their, for their school. So I think that is so incredibly cool. Let's start off with Whiteface. They had their first ever six-man playoff win in the by-district win over Van Horn. I missed that last week, and I wanted to say it this week. So congratulations to the Antelopes. They definitely had a historic run in 2022. And then over at Erion County, their win over Lakey was their first ever second-round playoff win. So congratulations to the Hornets. And then we come to Bluffdale. This is a historic uh, run that's in progress because, you know, they're still playing. Uh, they brought back football 
in 2017. And yes, I did have to ask Lehman. <laughs> Lehman says he did find a score for Bluffdale from back in the 1930s. So he thinks they may have played back then. So congratulations to Bluffdale for making it to the state quarterfinal round and making school history. That is awesome. I mean, just absolutely awesome there. And, and, you know, we talked about it, games coming out at the very end. And I love this one, though. Talk about I know you were on the sidelines for the Klondike-Whitherald game. And for those of you that were in the Texas Panhandle South Plains, let me tell you something. Friday night was a bitter cold. Uh, most games kicked off. It was somewhere between 29 and 32 degrees. And uh, you said it was 25 degrees by the fourth quarter. And you heard the manager for the Cougars telling someone what? The water in the water bottles is freezing, and she did not sound happy about that. And it did <laughs> not surprise me because, by you know, this was one of the games that started at the original time we normally start at at seven thirty. The majority of the games started at five or six or six thirty, so this one started late. So two hours, let's see, about five thirty. I looked; it was thirty-five degrees. And I just kept watching the temperature dip and dip and dip. And by the time we got to the fourth quarter, Craig, we had a nice stiff wind and it was 25 degrees. So I'm not surprised the water bottles were freezing. That's not something that we normally have to worry about, but it seemed to shock the manager and um, she didn't know what to do about that. That's that's (laughs) great. (laughs) And then the final football note that we got comes from the Balmoray Groom game where Cherry Villanueva decided, you know what? My team needs some help. Here's what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. You know, the Balmoray cheerleaders were all at a basketball game in San Angelo, I believe. And so they weren't able to get to Hermley until about the third quarter. So what does a good cheer sponsor do? Well, she gets out there, she gets some of the junior high kids out of the stands, and she gets out there and she leads the crowd in cheers. So shout out to Cherry Villanueva for pumping up the crowd for the Bears. Uh, Craig, I think that's going above and beyond the call of duty, but she did tell me jokingly that it did keep her warm. Oh, that that's fantastic. And you're right. That is definitely going above and beyond the call of duty. And uh, you wouldn't see me doing that because it, it would be a comedy show on the sideline for one. We would, nobody'd be watching the football game, but <laughs> you know what? If I saw you down there doing that, the first thing I'd do is put on a Bobby Brown song to see if you could dance to it. <laughs> oh, there's some things we don't want to see, Bobby. <laughs> <sighs> So let's uh, finish up football with talking about the uh, state quarterfinals. Everything is set, so we'll go over. Uh, we kind of talked about who's playing who, but we'll tell you where and when they're playing. Uh, the one comment I got for you, Bobby, is, you know, you can play anywhere from Thursday to Saturday. I am amazed, and it's just not six-man. This has been 1A all the way up to 6A. How many games are being played on Friday? There's like only a hand. I see. I don't think there's any. Last time I saw from Matt Stepp and Greg Tepper, there are no games on Thanksgiving Day and just a handful on Saturday. Everybody is playing on Friday. That just seems a little different from what we've seen in the past. Uh, it's a lot different from what we've seen in the past because I've always gone to at least one game on Thanksgiving Day, which didn't bother me at all. You know, you go eat and then you go to a game and and it keeps you from falling asleep in the recliner and then getting <laughs> up and eating more. So I've never been a complainer when there was a game on Thanksgiving, but this year, yeah, all eight games, they're yeah. all on Friday. 
They are, and, and they kick off anywhere from 5 to 7 o'clock on a Friday evening. So let's uh, start with it. Division One, Nazareth and Happy, each traveling 15 miles, believe it or not. They uh, kick off at 6 o'clock Friday night in Atulia. In Region 2, Rankin and Westbrook going to do battle. That one's going on Friday night at 5 o'clock over in that beautiful place to play football at Robert Lee. Uh, Region 3, Gordon and Abbott going at it 6 o'clock in Heiko in Erion County in Jonesboro. That one at 5 o'clock as well. That one's going on in early. Over in Division 2, Balmeray and Whit Harold are going to meet in Hermley, uh, the place that hosts uh, a game, it seems like, uh, at least once a week, if not multiple times. That one's at 6 o'clock Friday night. Throckmorton and Benjamin going to head to Springtown for a 6.30 kickoff. Region 3, Oakwood and Bluffdale, they're doing battle at 7 o'clock in Ferris. And finally, Lorraine and a Cherokee, and what should be an outstanding game as well. That one's 6 o'clock in Miles. So we're down to the final eight teams in Division One, final eight teams in Division Two, Bobby. And, and you look at it, you know, I can look at here, and, and there might be one game that I would say potentially is a blowout, but I think for the most part, these are going to be some outstanding ball games. I really think so. And by the time we get to this uh, time period in the playoffs, they usually are very, very good, and they all come down to the wire. Um, strangely enough, one question I keep getting asked, like I have anything to do with it. I don't have anything to do with the location of a game. But just like uh, Nazareth and Happy, it's about 15 miles for each town. You look down here, and Throckmorton and Benjamin are going to Springtown. And so that doesn't make a lot of sense to people. But if everyone's playing on Friday night, it's hard to get a location that, especially during Thanksgiving week, that they have volunteers that can help you with gates and and it's hard to get lots of different things, especially during Thanksgiving week. And not only that, now that everybody's playing on Friday, it makes it even doubly hard. So so I don't know why Throckmorton and Benjamin are playing in Springtown, but they are. So we hope you can all make at least one of these eight games. And if you can't, uh, I know that there's going to be several broadcasts. Uh, Craig, you do you will do Nazareth and Happy. We have someone going to, actually, this is cool. Slam and Sammy is going to broadcast the Balmeray Whit Herald game for us because it's in Hermley. So shout out to Slamming Sammy, and can't wait to hear him broadcast that game. We're also going to broadcast Oakwood and Bluffdale from Ferris, and Lorraine and Cherokee from Miles, because we have, you know, we have three uh, broadcasters that try to do that. But I'm sure the others will uh, find a way to get that information out there. And when they do, this week I'm going to put out on our Facebook page everybody's broadcast or you know Rankin is going to push theirs on their television so that'll be cool Westbrook has the same thing so you can watch either or or you can watch both at the same time if you want to we will try to keep everybody updated Um, even if it's not ours that's fine I know everybody wants the information so we're going to try to get it for you definitely and and you know you you talked about a couple of good points here to go to a one good thing about being this deep in the playoffs, a lot of times you're playing in stadiums that have um, TV cameras. So if you have an NFHS 
uh, subscription. You can watch the games a lot of times. You may not catch a, a, a live feed of it as far as the audio part, but you can definitely catch uh, the video portion of that. So that is a good thing. And then going back to your topic about being able to find a place to play, it is very difficult. Uh, a classic example is last year, Happy and Valley ended up going to Dimmit, and that was after trying to find several places. And I don't think what people understand is I can tell you, Myself and my wife helped Coach Perryman out a lot trying to find workers because Demick couldn't come up with enough people. So we kind of had to try and to fill in the, the holes there. And we're calling friends from other towns saying, hey, can you like, you know, maybe come work a football game for us? And they're like, what? <laughs> but I mean, it, it is the that is truly the case. And, you know, it sounds fun. Hey, let's go here because that's right in the middle. That's fantastic. But it's not always up to the schools because a lot of times, uh, those schools don't have enough people to work those games, and that is vitally important because you don't want to show up and there's somebody taking the tickets, but there's no concession stand. Uh, everybody right. would it would have a conniption fit over something like that, you know. Um, so there's a lot of things that have to go into that, and a lot of people have to be rounded up. So it, you know, kudos uh, to those towns who are willing to host because it is difficult to find workers especially on Thanksgiving weekend to come out and work a game that they really have zero interest in. Exactly. You've got such great points there. So be patient and uh, gracious with your coaches because they are, I know that they're doing the best that they can. They definitely are. Let's go to volleyball where guess what? We have a new state champion. And that would be the Blum Lady Cats. They are your 2022 1A UIL State Volleyball Champions. They won in three sets over runner-up to Hennis freshman Kinley, Kinsley McPherson was the 1A State MVP. 17 kills and six digs. Uh, this is the Lady Cats' first-ever state volleyball championship, so congratulations to them. And a shout-out uh, from Bobby and myself to Klondike Benjamin and to Hennis on an outstanding season. And you know, Blum was one of those teams that kind of bounced back and forth in the top 10, and, and we kind of watched them, and they kind of had that ugly-looking record. But end of the day, you know what? It paid off a state a state title at the end for the Lady Cats. It really did, and and I figured that they would be there again because, you know, they've been there the last two years and become runner-up. So at some point, you got to get over that hump, and boy, the Lady Cats sure did get over that hump this year. They did. Well, let's move to signings now. And yes, people in class 1A actually do sign with colleges, despite what uh, people in bigger schools might tell you. Uh, Anna Hudson up at Miami, she signed to run track at Division One Tarleton State. Uh, she's appeared at the state track meet and won four gold medals already. And uh, we know she'll do great things next year. And then Elijah Gaines from Van Horn, who can uh, jump over me and maybe... <laughs> Probably even you, Bobby, as tall as you are. Uh, the guy can flat out. He's got springs in his feet and his legs. Uh, he set the 1A state record in the high jump in May of this year. He is signed with Angelo State's track and field team. And so we know he will do awesome there in San Angelo. And, and I know, Bobby, you put this out there a lot, but I'll help put it out there for you. If you know of a kid in Class 1A who's going to be signing at the next level in a sport, let us know. We'll put the pictures out there on Instagram. We'll we'll push that information out because we are so proud of 1A kids. Um, whether you're signing or not, anything about a 1A kid, you know, send it to us. We we just love making sure that everybody is highlighted. Um, speaking of highlights, the Borden County Lady Coyotes in basketball this weekend did some yeoman's work. Let me tell you. 
uh, I thought this was worth noting. You know, I stalk school Facebook pages looking for information because uh, I don't just lean on what everybody sends me. I make sure and if something, you know, schools, schools are proud. So we're going to be proud right along with them. But the Borden County Lady Coyotes played in a large school tournament in Abilene this weekend. Get this, Craig. They beat 6A Eaton, 5A Cleburne, and 5A Abilene Cooper. That's they, impressive. They only lost to uh, by 13 to Abilene Wiley. And we know how good the Abilene Wiley's girls team is. So the Lady Coyotes from Borden County going to the Thanksgiving break, sitting at 6-1. and one. Watch out for those Lady Coyotes over in Region 1. Well, they're they're awfully good. I know I've got to call them last year in uh, last year's regional tournament, and they were scrappy and uh, lots of fun. So, you know, that's just another really good team sitting there in Region 1. And when we uh, look at Region 1 in basketball, and we'll get there eventually, but holy cow, there, there are some big names, and that should set up for one heck of a regional tournament one more time. Definitely. It always does. Okay, so now we come to our announcement. So this is kind of cool. You may think it's a little silly, but I'm going to explain. We've decided to have a first team and second team, all district for awesome, unique names. For example, <laughs> and for example, I once earned all conference honors in college for my name, Bobby Brown, because, <laughs> you know, there's there's the singer Bobby Brown from the 80s and early 90s. And then there's the makeup person, Bobby Brown. Those of you, um, and as Craig proved last night, there's a reason. For those of you who understand the early 90s, you'll understand Craig's response to me. And here it is in all its glory. He writes, it was your prerogative to put that together, but I'm with you every little step you take. You are my Roni. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> now, now, guess what? On my own, I put all that together. Oh, my Lord. I knew you were going to come up with something else. That's hysterical. As and I told you, I'm a walking radio. If you don't know by now, all of those things that I, uh, we both just said uh, are actually titles of Bobby Brown songs. So go look it up. It's awesome. And if you don't know who Bobby Brown is, he once was married to Whitney Houston. Yep. And uh, he, sure <laughs> he, he was. was a great, great singer in the 90s. And yes, those songs were my prerogative. Every little step I take, my Roni, and on our own. So <laughs> <laughs> those are all on his greatest hits album, too. So, oh, but if you think you've got a pretty cool or unusual name like Robert Jesus Whitehawk Jorgensen, that is a cool name. I'm putting that in the hat. I'm going and... with Cotton Bailey from McLean. See, that's a good name, too. Send it in to us, Texas1AFan at gmail.com. Give us the name and where the, the 1A kid is from, and we would sure like to hear that. Uh, we will also add to those we've heard this season. So, I mean, I, I really think that Adrian Vererico might have to be in there because, you sure. know, we've talked about oh, Rico Suave a lot this season. We, we have. Maybe I'll have to come up with a uh, Chris Berman uh, first team all district where I just kind of play with people's names and uh, give them neat little nicknames to go with it, like Rico well, Suave. Well, Rico Suave, we've got the choir boy. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously <laughs> some of these coaches have embraced these names, which is kind of cool. It makes me laugh. <laughs> 
Oh, but anyway, send them in, Texas1AFan at gmail.com. Don't forget. Yeah. We'll try to get that out in I think that let's let's shoot for the week of the state games. That's mid December. I think that's plenty of time. What do you think, Craig? That sounds good to me. Let's do it. Let's finish things up with Lehman's six-man one-on-one, a guy that we talked about, Zach Nickerson, front and center of this. Oakwood's running back who isn't just putting up numbers. Uh, based on the uh, the forum that I read out there on sixmanfootball.com, he impressed people. So he's just not uh, running through open space out there. He was impressive. And I know you talked to Lehman, and you guys went through the record books, and he's on the verge of setting some records. He is. So – Lehman six man one-on-one is all about records and if they're going to be broken or not. So Oakwood's running back, Zach Nickerson earned 3,021 yards rushing for the season just last night. And you know, he's not done. The record of 4,081 was set in 2019 by Motley County's running back, Jake Richards to break into the top 10. Zach will need almost 400 yards of the remainder of this season. That's insane. That's a lot of yards. Yes. So uh, Nickerson is also closing in on the season rushing TDs of 72. That was set by Dwayne Miles of Amherst in 1995 over 15 games. Also number two on that list is Kyler DeGan from Motley County uh, in 2018 in 13 games. Third is Tony Diaz. From Paint Rock in 2010, over 11 games, he had 70 rushing touchdowns. And then you have Zach Nickerson of Oakwood in 2022, over 12 games, and he has 68. So he's within he's within just four of tying the record and five of taking the lead. And here's another thing. <laughs> Mr. Nickerson is also tied for second with most rushing, rushing TDs in a single game. He earned the second spot in a game earlier this year against Central Texas. He had 12 rushing TDs in that game. Number one is Kyle Moulter from Lamita in 2015 versus Mullen with 13. Tony Diaz from Paint Rock comes in second in 2010 versus Novice, and that was done in week 10, and he has 12. Leo Ramirez in 2013 uh, from Loop. And they had played Sands. He has 12. And then Zach Nickerson comes in with his 12. So the record for total TD scored in a single season is Dwayne Miles from Amherst set in 1995. And he had 90 touchdowns that season. Can you imagine? No, I, I cannot. And uh, if anybody doesn't who know who Dwayne Miles was, he ended up starring at West Texas A&M, a Division II school up here in Canyon and he was flat out a bowling ball with speed. I mean, that is exactly who Dwayne was. Yeah, well, he set records and they still stand today. So this got us talking about different records that were broken in 2022. So here they are. The longest INT return, 89 yards by Jackson Gay of Chester versus Calvert. Most receptions in a single game. 23 receptions by Sean Estes from Rochelle when they played lone. Most receiving yards in a single game, 334 by, you guessed it, Sean Estes, Rochelle versus lone. And then most receiving touchdowns in a single game, nine TDs by none other than Sean Estes from Rochelle in that game against lone. And Lehman wanted me to ask, 
and to remind all coaches, please, please, if you think one of your players is even close to any six-man record, please send the stats to Lehman. He's had a little hard time getting them this year. Send those stats to Lehman, and I promise you he'll get that all cranked out really fast. That he will, and it, it, you know it's, it's lots of fun to see those records and you know, it's a little bit harder in six man because it kind of gets lost when you when you look at some of the uh, folks who put together records, they just don't include six man. And, and I understand not comparing six man records to 11 man records. I understand that piece of it, but it's almost like it's just, well, they play, but who cares about the records that they got down there? And so that's exactly what Lehman puts together for. So and great. He does to- an outstanding job. Yes, he definitely does there. Well, Bobby, that's going to wrap it up for us for this week here on the Backroads Podcast. When we come back next Sunday, we will be getting ready for, believe it or not, the state semifinals as all uh, eight state quarterfinal games will have occurred. Going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that one. But until we get there, I hope everybody has a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. Eat plenty of turkey, dressing, or whatever it is that makes you extremely happy on Thanksgiving. Enjoy the long holiday weekend and we will see you on sunday until then i'm craig spear with the happy sports network and i'm bobby brown with texas 1a fan remember go forward and do good